Hello and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Hours. I'm Grant Spanier. And I'm Vince Kochi. And you are listening to episode 108. Ain't it great? I was thinking it, and I honestly... It was was an easy one for sure. And I thought, Grant, you're better than this. And I'm not just trying to drive a stake through your heart. No, I know. It it was a softball. It was the pitch that needed to be hit. Perhaps you were the mirror. Perhaps you were the mirror that I needed to look in to sort of see what what that would look like had I gone through with it. Thank you, Vince, for teaching me. Anytime. (sighs) What an app. What a great app. So I know we're both really, really excited for this one, and I'm an excitable guy. I'll admit it. I've talked about being excited about a guest before, but I, you, you know this guest. Uh, I just so many so many parallels in in I, it seems like the work they're doing and uh, the work that we aspire to do, the conversations we have, the interview style, just like such awesome stuff. And and we get into that on the episode. But we were talking with Tina S Maker, uh, half of the S Makers, <laughs> Tina and Ryan S Maker, who run uh, the Great Discontent, a site that I know we both frequent and are, are very familiar with, and frequently site as inspiration mm-hmm. within our episodes and on a more meta level we cited as inspiration for the way that we do the show so when you say that we were excited for the episode that's a hundred percent true not only just because tina herself has such an amazing story and she does such amazing work and that the product they create is just so high quality mm-hmm. and important but also because it's been kind of a very personal inspiration for us both and so it set the stage for a really special conversation and Tina was every bit as wonderful and insightful and articulate as we would have thought, suspected and hoped and it, the conversation turned out to be excellent. We were talking maybe ironically <laughs> given how much I'm going on. Yeah, 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 it, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, but about listen, listening. Yes. Yeah, we were, especially in the podcast format, is this not an excellent topic to broach? But she does have a lot of experience in the world of listening uh, through her work with The Great Discontent. She's conducted, I mean, hundreds maybe, a couple, maybe like 150, 200 interviews for The Great Discontent, all of which are so thoughtful and well arranged and clearly uh, come from such an open and, um, and, and open not just in the heart way, but in the ear way, Vin. <laughs> Absolutely. No, certainly. Yes. And so it was a real treat to have her. <sighs> Perhaps, Vin, you could listen to me. No, actually, you have listened to me. You, you have actually t- you've actually listened to, not, not just this pitch, but you've actually taken the advice that I'm about to give, which is signing up for Squarespace. Uh, thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring this episode of the show. Squarespace, if you're not familiar, and if you're not, come on. What are you doing? Uh, what are you doing? Hey, what's what's the matter you? <laughs> okay, okay. Cultural insensitivity abound. That's true. Uh, but Squarespace uh, is the all-in-one website tool. I'm a huge fan of their product. I use it with uh, several clients. I've used it personally, and we actually use it to serve our uh, our website, <laughs> serve our audience, serve everything, wow, our content. They, I mean, it's been said to death, but for good reason. Yeah. They are the premier way to easily create amazing looking web content. So if you're going to make a website, make it with Squarespace, unless you have a really, really good reason not to. You, you sounded like you were being programmed there for a second. You're like, must you create beautiful website? <laughs> Use 
Minimal. Template. Yes. For easy, responsive I design. I <laughs> took the liberties of uploading my brain into Squarespace. It's, uh, <laughs> that's the result. No, no. wonder you're so articulate and <laughs> cohesive. <laughs> they really do make a great product, and I have dozens of friends who are big fans. So uh, you should check them out. Thank you, Squarespace, for making what you make and yeah. for sponsoring the show. Thank you so much to Tina S. Maker for joining us on this excellent episode. Thank you, listeners, for listening like you do. Hope you enjoy episode 108. Listen. I get them. I don't get them in text messages. It's usually just like my dad. He's retired, so he's like, you know, anytime it's fair game, I have to give him windows of time that it's okay because I'm like, I gotta work still, dad. Yeah. Vin. Yeah. I know, I know this has become a bit of a. I don't want to say a joke, or I don't also don't want to say an exercise in futility. <laughs> that might be what it is, though. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I legitimately do just want to cut through here and ask you right away, what are you working on? What are you putting your time into? Wow, I didn't actually expect... Usually when you use that preface, it's just a false flag to actually vacillate even harder. Mm. But this time, and, and actually lately, you have... Been jumping in a little bit. Yeah, but I have to give context because there's a there's the people who only listen to the show for that part, and they're really bummed that I'm really getting into uh, it so quickly. I mean, we have to have something for everyone. The show vacillator crowd. We have plenty of backlog episodes to listen to. Absolutely, and I will say, I think you have done most vacillations th- thus far in the episode. <laughs> oh God. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, tell me, tell me, tell me. I been you know just this morning i was out in woodtown uh on site sounds fake (laughs) it does on a tour of a horse stables where we have a new client called neutrina they're like a a, a livestock feed horses chickens cows etc and uh i'll be working on that so it was back to my roots i was lamenting like I went to college to escape life on the farm. Oh yeah, and out of back. out of Phillips, Wisconsin. Exactly. I do feel like uh, an agency creative would be a good premise or a character in a sitcom, just because of all of the weird scenarios it affords. It really does. You've talked about so many clients on the show that are just like random that you're like digging into. And I'm so fish out of water in every one of those yeah. scenarios. Yeah, it's true. Uh, other than that, working on an article. I mentioned that before. Yep. Uh, so that should be ready in like a week and. Uh, Probably show notes in. Yeah, maybe. That makes sense. No, pro- <laughs> no promises. No promises. <laughs> yeah, I won't hold you to that. Um, Grant, what are you putting your time in? Um, my, I've got like three primary focuses. I just DJed a party last night, which was super fun. So there was a lot of prep for that. And now I'm very excited to be done with that. Although it was a blast. Um, today, I was just doing some post-processing on this lookbook that we shot in the Dells a few weeks ago. And then I've been working on some debt to stock stuff. Uh, we got kind of a fun campaign coming up that we're uh, pouring a lot of resources into. Who were you shooting in Wisconsin Dells? Um, it was three different models, but it was it's for Savon uh, Barrett. Is her name? She's out of Brooklyn. It's like handmade lingerie and then handmade swimwear, which is Elias swimwear. Maybe we'll show notes that because pretty cool stuff. It's very, very beautiful stuff. I was like so pumped to shoot it. Awesome. No doubt. And man, I've been prepping for this a bit. I am so excited. Uh, 
I feel like when we first got the show going, man, I don't know, what has it been? Two and a half Two, to three. three. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I know we were referencing this project as just like a cool thing that was in a similar space that I, I was familiar with and really, really into. Um, and I don't know if she'll remember this and we'll ask her, but I actually did meet Tina. And there's a hint. Oh, that, okay. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, we won't give it all away yet. Just the surname? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the classic surname rule we have here where we like to drop the surname early and then sort of build up. Wait, is surname though? Actually no, what? am I wrong? That's why I was yeah, looking, yeah, I was yeah, looking yeah, to you. Nah, I betrayed you. I was wrong too. You son of a... <laughs> okay, okay. Whatever. What? <sighs> Tina. I met Tina and her husband, Ryan, uh, with Josh Long, who was actually the first guest on the show and was a big inspiration for us getting things started. Um, and we had some really delicious burgers. I believe believe at black market and they had such a specific well her husband i believe had a very specific style of ordering which is very simple but i met i met uh, them that night and i've been following their work since and i'm just a huge huge fan of what it does um and that that particular work of course is the great discontent which ryan and tina Smaker uh run and tina is the current editor-in-chief um doing such cool stuff and uh, yeah, it's been fun digging a little bit into her background, which we'll get into. But first, welcome to the show, Tina. Thank you. It's great to be here. Do you recall meeting me? I sure do. Okay, um, okay. I never forget a night at Black Market, and there yeah. have been many nights there. Respect. Oh, that's really sweet. What a sweet way to start the episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's only down from here, no doubt. Well, yeah, thanks again so much for joining us. I also am a fan of your work, and indeed, there are parallels between this project and your own. And I would love to do the honors of asking you, you know, what have you been putting your time into recently? What are you working on? Oh, man, that what have I not been working on? Well, so, um, <laughs> <come> on. <laughs> you know, when you when you have your own project, you wear so many different hats. I mean, yeah. um, so we launched a live event series this year in February and we are hosting our eighth event next week in Brooklyn um, so I've been prepping for that finalizing some guests for the or some questions for the guests and um, also working on our next TGD interview which I can say who it'll be because it'll be out I think yes. by the time this comes out okay so it's um, illustrator Will Bryant who's based in Austin yeah, who's, yeah super cool super cool guy and then um, we just published an interview with Krista Tippett, uh, the host of Unbeing this week. Which so lovely. Yeah, she's amazing. And, and so. friend, friend of the show, Colleen, shot that. Colleen's uh, Minneapolis oh, based. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. She did a great so job. Awesome. She did a wonderful job. Yeah, she's yeah. a homie. She's great. Very cool. Yeah, awesome. Um, so yeah, I've been working on that. Um, I did, let's see, I've been doing a lot of thinking, which I know sounds like you know, it's actually a lot of work to think. I My days just fly by. So I've been trying to make more time lately to like plan and think strategically about TGD and the stuff we're doing as, you know, this year is going to wrap up really quickly. So we're already starting to think about 2017, mm -hmm. um, just very in a very preliminary sort of way. So... Um, yeah, for sure. For for people who are unfamiliar, and if they are, I would strongly recommend they go to thegreatdiscontent.com. That's yeah, correct. Yes. Yeah, but sure. perhaps you could just explain it a little bit, and maybe talk about the maybe the genesis of it, and how long you've been around. 
Sure. So The Great Discontent is it's a print and online magazine, um, a live event series, and a podcast now. Um, but yeah, and, and so we, we feature inspiring, in-depth conversations with artists, makers, and risk takers. So people who work in a really wide variety of creative disciplines. And we started in August 2011 as an online magazine. And then in 2013, we did a Kickstarter to help uh, take our take us to print for our first issue, um, which I believe you backed. Thank you. Yeah, sure, for sure, for sure. <laughs> I still remember the names nice. of, of people. You know, That's it's such cool. an intense, such a bonding process. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, so we, we did the online print magazine, um, you know, interviewing people for years. And then this year, we thought, you know, we really, it's time to do something different. Um, readers have been saying, we would love to see events, we'd love to see a podcast. And so we went all in and said, okay, we're going to do a monthly event. It's here in Brooklyn, and we're going to do a podcast. And so we record the audio from the live event and edit and put it online in our podcast um we've gotten great feedback from both and you know the hope is that we can um have the resources to do the podcast on a more regular basis because right now it's like you know once or twice a month which is we need to be doing every week you know you guys are every week right yeah about weekly Yeah, yeah. yeah Yeah, catch up. We've been judging you. We've been, yeah, yeah. Well, although we, we've been we've been holding that ahe- uh, above you guys. It's the only thing we got on you. So le- leave us alone. <laughs> well, you know, I think the thing is, like, people. I mean, I have been like massively consuming podcasts yeah. this year, and I know, like, I could listen to two or three episodes in a day, and then I'm like, wait, there's not a new one. And yeah. so, we would love to be able to give that to our totally. listeners. It, it is like hanging out with your friends. It really. You just want to keep spending time with them. Yeah. <laughs> What I'm just curious. What do you have any favorite podcasts? Oh my gosh, Death, Sex, and Money is my very nice. favorite right okay. now. Um, have you heard that one? Uh, I haven't listened. I've heard it recommended several times. I feel like I'm gonna it's have to dig so in. Likewise. Yeah, it's really, really great. And you know, they talk about death, sex, and money. It's like they talk about the things that we think about a lot and need to talk about more. And really? the the subjects have these really fascinating stories. Some people are well, well known. Some people are not. You know, they're, they're everyday people doing their thing, and they have these incredible stories to tell. And, and the host Anna really pulls that out of them so yeah i've been listening to that a lot and of course on bean is really wonderful yeah that's really really great it's a great show awesome i mean speaking of listening perhaps vince absolutely um this week we're talking about listening and it makes a lot of sense it's kind of fate that you brought up that you're making time to think uh in your day-to-day and how that wasn't really something that you were having a lot of chance to do and now Mm -hmm. you're being Proactive? Proactive about it, intentional about it, because thinking in, in a lot of ways is listening to yourself, mm. right? It's listening and thinking are kind of in the same vein and being consumptive and introverted, maybe, and thoughtful and not producing and not making. And when you said that some people might think that thinking is easy, that's right, but it is a misconception. Thinking is really hard. Sometimes making is the easiest thing you can do. Mm-hmm. You can put mm-hmm. yourself on autopilot, you can create, you can fall into patterns. But thinking requires novel thought, for lack of a better word. Mm. Uh, and when we're talking about listening, it's also in the same vein. Listening is a passive action, allegedly, it's kind of a thought, but 
listening well, listening the right way is actually a very active participatory action. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's obvious you've done a lot of listening uh, in your work with The Great Discontent. And something Vince and I were both really, really surprised to read about, just in your short bio there, but about your um, studying social work and um, t- your biggest takeaway being out of, I think it's 10, 10 years of working with mm-hmm. homeless and runaway youth was uh, to listen. Um, and I would love to maybe just start there. Uh, I had no idea about that background. And that's like really, really fascinating. Um, so maybe you could just talk a little bit about maybe your decision to study that, study social work and kind of where that led you. Sure. So I grew up in Michigan, uh, which is very close to you guys. You know, we're, out. we're in the Midwest, that Midwest category. Um, and a lot of my family worked, you know, blue collar jobs, very traditional, like either you're in an office or you're in a factory, you're working hard. Um, and so I didn't really have anyone who worked in a creative discipline whose path I could follow or kind of recreate for myself. And I was always interested in art. I was always interested in English and words. Um, but I didn't know what to do with those. And I knew that I needed to make money because I grew up not having a lot of money and I didn't want to be in a position like that again as an adult. And so I actually got a scholarship to community college. Um, I applied to some art schools, but I didn't want to take out a bunch of loans and get into debt. Um, And so I went to community college and I got a scholarship and I was going to study fine art and I did, you know, my prereqs and everything for like two years. Um, In the meantime, I saw there was a job board at the college and saw a job for a youth care worker and I thought oh I can do that like working with young people I didn't really know what it was I went and applied and the job was to be a direct care worker at a shelter for runaway and homeless youth Um, and I was 18 and I got the job and I started working at the shelter and I was doing things I was doing very you know I was like doing intakes paperwork answering the phone people would call in crisis or sometimes people would show up at the door um you know supervising the um the clients the young people who are staying at the shelter and being a mediator between them and their families and you know a lot of a lot of things um and I really enjoyed the work and I love people and so I thought this is a really like pragmatic way to help people and I saw the counselors who worked at the program and I thought well I'm interested in that and I kind of saw how you know their career path like some of them would go back to school and get their masters after they were already working with their bachelors and I kind of saw this okay this path before me and so I could continue to do art which I had no clue what I would do to make money with that right because I didn't see anyone else making money with that and then or I could do social work which um, you know it it does not pay well at all but it does pay get Uh, health insurance you know it's like okay so I I think you're going to say it paid in other ways it it pays the soul (laughs) it really it does it does Um, but yeah I kind of felt like at this crossroads and um, you know I felt torn and so I chose social work because I really was enjoying the work I was doing at the shelter and so I continued to work at the shelter while I attended Wayne State in Detroit and earned my bachelor's and then when I graduated with my bachelor's degree I um, stayed at the same nonprofit, but I moved to a different position at their transitional living program and um, or TLP as I call it the TLP is a, is a really cool 
program where um, young people like ages 16 through 21 can come and stay for up to 18 months mm-hmm. and it gives them a chance to um, have some stability in their housing so that they can um, you know work and save money and just you know I mean if you don't have stable housing you can't really yeah. do anything else in your life that you need to to move forward so that's what this program was all about and I think um, where the listening came in was, you know, so many of the families that I worked with were like, if you could just get, get them in a room talking to each other and they felt like they were being heard by one another, you know, sometimes that would change things. Sometimes it wouldn't, but sometimes um, just listening to each, each other would improve things and I think you know I learned to listen um, sometimes because I had to because people were um, they were angry or you know they they wanted to tell you what their kid was doing and or the kids were you wanted to talk about their parents and what had transpired so you know sometimes it was like almost forced on me but then I learned to really value listening and um, you know it is it's so important and I think um, Vince, what you said is that listening is definitely not passive. It's very active because you have to concentrate almost on it. You have to remind yourself to be present and to listen, um, not with the intention of, okay, what am I going to say when they're done, but listen to really seek to understand and and try to imagine you know, from their perspective as, as best as you can. And so I really learned a lot of that well I learned all about that there and it really forced me to grow up in so many ways because I was really young when I started working there and so I listened to so many people's stories and um you know learned how to talk to them about really sensitive things and um I think it made me it really expanded my world and it just challenged so many of my beliefs and it's a huge part of who I am today very cool that, that that's uh, something that we've talked about on the show is is this idea of listening uh, is something I struggled with even early on in the show, which is constantly trying to get an edge in, and, I, and I, it was very humbling to listen back to my own voice. I'm like, oh wow, I do need to listen more. As an aside, have you seen the movie Short Term Twelve? Mm-mm. Oh wow, that's man. I watched that movie last year, I believe, and that one made me cry harder than a movie's made me cry in a while. But it's about uh, short-term housing, and that, oh, okay. a lot of the themes are obviously similar. Yeah, uh, I'll write that down. Write it down. Right. We'll show notes we'll it. Show notes it. Yeah. Okay, I'll just look at the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, do you imagine that your time as a social worker helped you be a better interviewer and conversationalist today and in the future? Oh yeah, it's, I wouldn't be, I don't think I would be doing what I'm doing now without those experiences. Um, I mean, you know, mainly for all the reasons that I just talked about, but, but yeah, definitely. I'm curious. Could you talk a little bit about your preparation process or, well, and, or maybe like things that you've taken away from doing so many of these long form interviews? Sure. So my well, my preparation process, you know, the more you do it, the, I guess, less stringent you are because you ha- you, you've just done it so many times, right? You get better each time. And so my process is pretty loose, but in general, I, I like to do research, but not too much. I like to do just enough to 
so that I can create questions that I think are interesting that are specific to that person. And I mean, something we've done over time, if you go back and read earlier interviews, they're mainly the same questions because we were interested to talk to a large number of people and ask them very similar questions to kind of take this cross section of creative people and, and kind of compare answers, you know, like doing this study. But um, if you've read the site more recently, you'll see that um, we mostly are asking questions that are particular to that person, but still touch on the themes that we've always liked to touch on, like people's origin stories, um, risks they've taken along the way, aha moments, legacy. We still talk about all of those things, but the questions are much more tailored for the person, which we'll continue to do going forward. Um, So I like to do research just enough to get some good questions. And then I go into the conversation and I try to be open-minded and... You know, there's so many variables, like, what did the person do that day? What, How are they feeling? Um, is there something going on in their personal life or work life that might influence how they respond to your question? So I just try to, again, listen and have empathy and um, let them guide the conversation while still having some things that I do want to talk about. So um, something I've learned is that, you know, Like you can't, sometimes a conversation just blossoms in a way that you had no idea it would and you have to go down the rabbit hole and you have to chase it. And sometimes that's better. It turns out to be a better conversation, even if that means you still had five questions on your list that you didn't get to. Mm -hmm. So those are the most fascinating conversations for me, I think. Um, Yeah. And then, you know, the process, like we do the interview and our subjects all get a chance to read the interview over and make sure that it really represents them cool. accurately and that they're proud of it. So it's pretty collaborative in that aspect. Nice. nice. Uh, to that degree, um, or on that note, do you ever have uh, subjects that end up being a bit revisionist? Do they want to change anything they've said or clarify or add context and name them (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) i think that i mean i can i can honestly say that um hardly anyone wants to change anything um you know if there's something that they revealed that might reveal something about someone else yeah then they might say, oh, you know, let's let's leave this out. But mostly it's just clarifying. They'll say, wow, I was all over the place or I forgot to put in this detail or um, I got the timeline, you know, I need to edit the timeline so that it's correct. So it's usually little things like that. Sure. We never yeah. give our, our guests that chance. <laughs> you say something even slightly wrong, it's preserved for all time. So. I know, right? I have all of this audio, you guys. It's just like... Yeah, just that um, you know, no one will ever hear it. I don't think so. Interesting. So, I, I've been I've been working on this like director interview series. It's again kind of in the same vein, like shamelessly. But uh, we I've been like we we found a way to like try and include like an audio snippet because I was just like getting so I was like God, we have so much audio of just like talking to the people, and, and I do feel like there is like a cool little flavor. Uh, and what was the there's this series they did where they just like drop in one audio snippet. I feel like it's kind of fun. I feel like, I don't know. I'm not, sure. I'm not pitching you here. I'm not pitching you here, but like, you know, well, we've already talked about this 
Um, you know, we would never go back and release audio audio from past interviews because yeah. we told people we wouldn't. But yeah. um, we, we would love to do more video projects and we'd love to mm. do uh. more audio. And so like doing the podcast weekly would really be totally. the kind of audio we'd love to do. It, but the, the two minutes with TGD video you guys put out is so mm-hmm. dope. I had someone yeah. I had someone reference that recently for a video project that they were talking about. And I was like, oh, I'm familiar with this one. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned that you sometimes don't get to all your questions, which is something that Grant and I, in a way, struggled with when we started the show, mm-hmm. is the need to feel complete, the need to check all the boxes and not let, let parts of the conversation that might be interesting go unspoken. But as we've done the show over time, we've learned that letting the conversation take its natural course and bypass certain avenues and choose other ones is much more conducive to something that's fun to listen to and easy to talk through (laughs) as a guest. Uh, What other sorts of things like that have you learned over the years to make interviews more comfortable, more productive, more illuminating? More fun. Or more fun, most importantly. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we like to do interviews in person when we can. Um, so, you know, to rewind a little bit, when Ryan and I started the project, Ryan's my partner in business and life, and he handles all the design and art direction, and he photographs and does everything. He's brilliant. And when we first started, him and I were co-hosting those interviews. Um, we were living in Michigan when we started the project, so we would show up together on Skype video chat, all excited and eager and ready to interview. And as TGD has evolved, he has um, stepped back from interviewing just because there's so many other roles that he's doing. Um, I forget where I'm going with this. There was a reason I wanted to say this. Balance. We're talking about things you learned from like yeah. the process of, of interviewing like what that looks like. Yeah. You know what? I, I totally lost my train of thought, but it might come, it might come back to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I was super curious about your dynamic with Ryan. I don't want to pry too much, but, but, um, we've talked to a few partners. uh, I mean, some in, in varying capacities of relationship, like the hood girls who are sisters and business Mm -hmm. partners. And I'm so fascinated by that dynamic just because I, I think, I mean, a lot of times it can be, uh, very, very gratifying, but also in, intense. Yeah. So, I mean, even the, it's a multiplying factor. Um, maybe you could just talk a little bit about how that process, like working together has evolved and, and I guess what it looks like now, or if there's anything you've learned from, you know, having worked really pretty closely together. I, I remember the photo. I remember a photo. Maybe this was on the old site or something, but just of your desks, like kind of side by side mm-hmm. in your apartment. And I was yeah. like, yeah, there it is. <laughs> it was a really small apartment. So yeah. um, there were only a few configurations. We could do. Um, yeah. So I remember what I was going to say and it kind of ties into what you just asked me so i'm gonna answer i'll answer both love it um so we were interviewing together and then it evolved to uh, mostly me doing the interviews and then i had an editorial assistant also who was with us for three years and just moved on to pursue illustration full-time and she did a lot of interviewing as well um and so we like to do interviews in person so you know one of the things is going out you know, have a drink or two. I mean, your subjects that really gets them to open up. Maybe that's cheating. Um, (laughs) But I think the other thing is just letting people know, like, Hey, it's a casual conversation. We're recording. It's for transcript transcription purposes only. Um, You'll have a chance to read it. Like, I think that's 
pretty that creates a lot of trust um and the fact that we have a good track record and no one has accused us of airing all of their secrets that that helps too um so and, and ryan and i used to joke when we did interviews together he used to say like he's the one that likes to distract people and mm. you know kind of get them off course or ask questions and i would be the one like oh back on track here we have all these questions to ask which i think he liked he liked to uh play that role mm. um the you know instigator um but (laughs) yeah exactly i feel like like vince sort of vince didn't look at me directly there but (laughs) he had a sidelong glance if there ever was one (laughs) well (laughs) looked away intentionally that's what it was okay (laughs) you know when there are two people though it's like you kind of automatically yeah um find your role right like what you're comfortable with and then it's just like unspoken and, and that's what you do um so yeah the dynamic of working with your partner is you know it is it's all-encompassing because it never ends like right we're always thinking about work i mean maybe it's different if you worked together at an office a nine to five Mm -hmm. kind of job but i don't know what that's like so um we don't really have any there's no tricks to making it work other than you have to be honest with the person. You have to not take things personal. Um, you know, if if he if he's like, hey, the editing on this piece is not as tight as it normally is. Like, I have to think. Okay, it's not that he was mad because of something I did yesterday. It's really that he knows I can do much better. And and I'll be like, yeah, I was really busy. I just tried to, you know, slide that one on by. <laughs> um, or vice versa. And I think the thing is, like, we we're on the same team and we both want to be really good at what we do. We want to put something out there that we really believe in and that we know we've done our best, our best at. And because we know each other so well, it's very easy. Like we can't just pass things off. Right. Like I can't just pass things by him. He can't do that with me. Um, so I don't know. We know each other in, in this really intimate way. And there's some shorthand that goes along with that. Sometimes like I have to remind myself that when we're communicating with the team, that there's yeah. like a team of people and like they might not understand what we're talking about because <laughs> we're just using using this you know kind of shorthand language but i i really enjoy it i think that it'll be interesting to see you know we just celebrated 5 years of TGD and we haven't really had very much separation between work and life and we've been okay with that but I'm, I'm interested to see in the future what it looks like in a couple of years. Like, will we still be saying, you know, there's no separation. We want that separation. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I, yeah. I mean, I, I will say just from the outside, I remember when I just remember seeing you guys had added like an additional editor or like a, a some people, you just had people helping and mm-hmm. I thought, Oh, that probably represents like just a scaling up and also like a, maybe more of a separation. But at, at any rate, you guys are doing awesome stuff. I mean, from, from our perspective. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for absolutely. doing it. And I imagine that, I mean, not to, not to be all Oprah Winfrey meets 
Careful, careful. (laughs) We're venturing into dangerous territory. Uh, Oh no, it's a little self-congratulatory to even compare myself to Oprah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) I don't mean to dive into like armchair relationship psychology, (laughs) but I imagine that listening is one of the most fundamental elements of making the relationship work, especially when you're trying to span it across professional, interpersonal, and then intimate spheres. Oh, for sure. And you know what? Um, Listening to your partner that you're working with in business is the hardest thing to do. Mm -hmm. It's the hardest. And I think that it's also about listening um, and hearing the other person's intention and not filtering it through something personal. And And that's really, really hard to do, whether it's a partnership with, you know, it's like a romantic partner or it's a friend who you go into business with, you know, there's just so much history there and it's hard to not bring that into work. Same as it's hard to not bring uh, business back home or into your personal life. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's something that I want to be better at. And I think it's something that you have to continuously work, work to do. Mm. Man. Okay. So this is actually maybe interesting to me. I'm like currently like I'm partners with David who's been on the show, who's a really close friend. Uh, yeah. David Sherry with, with death to stock. And, okay. um, I man, we've had some like pretty intense, certainly not in the same level of uh, romantic relationship. But you know, he was staying here for a bit. We were on the road. We were just he he was there for that shoot in the Dells. We were in Denver. Close friends. Yeah, yeah. Extended period of time. Close yeah. friends. <laughs> very very close friends. And so it's it's been an interesting experience for both of us. I think we're both pretty strong communicators and we're both pretty direct. But that has just been an interesting evolution of like friendship and business. Um, and one thing that I think. I've pulled from some of it in the in the back and forth, which includes listening, is uh, sometimes either pushing for on on his side or on the other side or on my own side uh, for really communicating in the outward um, better uh, or at least being more intentional, really thinking about that. You know, we're talking a lot about listening, but sometimes I feel like um, in that relationship or in others, like sometimes it's really easy, especially when you have a shorthand with someone to just, you know, just communicate in the same way that we like when we're upset in line at uh, whatever we tweet the company you know it's just mm-hmm. it's just we have so much access that I think sometimes there's this uh, delay that doesn't exist um, that can actually create a lot of space for communicating or for really like refining what you want to say um, is that do you, do, you ever, do you ever do anything like in terms of for me I, I like write I like to write sometimes I just like write out all my thoughts before I communicate something or do you guys you just jump right into it? Yeah, so <laughs> I think it's very inside baseball. Yeah, with each other, you know, it's usually like sometimes we'll write emails. Um, you know, we do meetings regularly to like talk through business stuff. Um, but we don't. Yeah, we're pretty. You know, we were married for ten years. We yeah. just um, had our five year anniversary for TGD. So five years. You know, we're working together. Half of our marriage. We're kind of just like in it. Yeah. We're not like I'm gonna send you an email. We're kind of like, hey, we need to talk about this thing um, or what you said back there, and you know, really 
I'm angry about it and here's why, or it upset me and here's why. Um, and, you know, not that that happens frequently, but like it does happen when you're working with someone. And I think it's also hard to break the patterns, right? Like you, there are patterns in the way we respond to people or certain triggers that cause us to respond in a certain way. And I think it's, if we can, like you said, you know, take a minute to reflect and say like, okay, why am I wanting to respond this way? Like, is it just because this is how I always respond when this happens or and trying to break that and like really have some insight into it. Um, you know, that's hard. Relationships are hard. Work relationships are hard. Why listening is important. Right? <laughs> so true. And, and very insightful to mention patterning and especially like triggered responses. That's something that I've noticed is a, a to use a weird colloquial term, a bugaboo of my mind. <laughs> just the word that came to my mind. But you, you hear something and you want to establish a fact that you understand with the speaker and you want them to feel comfortable continuing to share, but sometimes that can backfire. You're jumping the gun, you're trying to insert a reaction, even if it's well-intentioned, but that's not good listening. That's mm-hmm. bad listening. That's, you're not letting them air their entire thought and the way they compose their thought and the completion of that thought is very important to the overall message. And so something that happens all the time to me and by me is that <laughs> people are kind of truncating your thoughts and not fully listening to you. Not quite as cliche as the classic fight club quote that people aren't really listening. They're just waiting for their turn to talk. Sure. Was actually mm-hmm. probably taken. Yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> attributing to fight club. I love it. But, but, nice. Yeah. But it's not quite that level, <laughs> but definitely attempting to progress the conversation too quickly yeah. or to, arrive at common ground when that's not really necessary. So I'm not sure that I was striving at a point. Yeah. Yeah. The point maybe is that thorough, thoughtful, quiet listening is so valuable and so often undervalued. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing is that, you know, I, when I went to school for social work, we were trained in how to listen. I mean, we, had to videotape ourselves doing like a practice Hmm. pretending we were talking to a client we had to watch it and it's awful to see yourself on video your body language and how you respond you know you see you notice everything and so this training i had at school was for social work to work with you know it was a very specific type of training but i can carry that over into the work i do now and so i think you know, that really influenced how my interview style. And I mean, guys, I still have to like, Ryan and I will be out. And if he's telling a story, I'll get really excited and cut him off and (laughs) jump in and be like, but you didn't say this detail. And this is an ongoing joke. All our friends know that I like to do this because I get so excited. So he'll say, you just tell the story because you're going to interrupt me anyway. And then I'll say, no, no, I promise I won't. And then sometimes sometimes I keep my promise and sometimes I don't. So I'm saying I struggle with this. I mean, we all do. And it's, You know, it's so hard. It's so hard to listen. And it's also hard to listen to, you know, just in the um, in the world right now, there are so many people with various opinions and, you know, you'll see them on Facebook or wherever you like to hang out online. It is hard. It is hard to listen and with, you know, attempting to understand and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, maybe that's the slightly grimmer part of, like, the interruptive nature of our 
Yeah. yeah. I don't want to blame it on current society as if it's never been a human trend before or anything. But when you hear when you hear something and you automatically start disagreeing with it, it's so difficult to allow the person speaking to get all the way through their thought. Mm-hmm. It's so important to do that. Yeah. It takes a tremendous amount of willpower and it's not something you can succeed at every time you do it. It's just an unrealistic expectation of yourself. Mm-hmm. But it is something I think we should strive. Man, man, and there's so much beautiful stuff. Uh, I think waiting, waiting that's like loaded up that we we cut off. I I can't help but think of Sean Dunn, who was episode like 98, is this fantastic filmmaker. Like, it makes me emotional just thinking about the work he's doing because it's so, I mean, we were talking about empathy with him. But uh, like, for example, and we weren't talking about politics here, but we were kind of dancing around it. But he he, he has a documentary uh, just called Trump Rally. I think it's like a 20 okay. minute it was a staff pick all shot on iPhones just and what, what we do see is a lot of people talking and we don't hear the filmmakers ever cutting them off because that like I think uh, in a lot of ways like that film to me is like oh yeah like this is what happens if you don't like either like cover your ears or like yell at someone mm-hmm. your own opinion and and there's such incredible stuff that can happen right there and it's so hard to like to really just like mm, but it's so worth it and and important to note that listening to someone and being respectful and in, in taking their entire point does not always need to mean changing your opinion on your stances but you'll never know if you actually disagree unless you give them a chance to hear this yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. and I think that, um, you know, the point is not to reach the decision of whether you not, whether or not you agree with them. The point is to just hear them. And I think that is, you know, I was just, we just published the interview with Krista Tippett online and her and I talked a lot about this because she also interviews for a living and talks to all of these incredible people. And she talks about this idea of generous listening, which is really just listening to understand. And it doesn't mean that you have to agree with what you're hearing. It doesn't mean that you have to reach an outcome at the end. It just means that you're creating a space for someone who maybe thinks or believes differently from you to express what they think or believe. And it's a safe space to do that. And we don't have many safe spaces to do that. And, you know, what she's created with On Being is really a safe space to do that. And I think that is um, part of the you know, why the show is so resonant that she's creating a space where people can talk about spirituality and all kinds of deep and meaningful things in a way that, you know, they can take what they want from it. And, um, you know, it's not offensive or like proselytizing or, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you don't have to have a show to do that or be that, which is no, a cool thing. you can do that in everyday life. I mean, I could do that with, my family, my friends. I could do that with the checkout clerk at the grocery store. Your karate instructor. Yeah. <laughs> Taco stand. Right. Way too often you hear people kind of, I mean, this is me taking one stance on this specific issue, uh, but kind of self-congratulating yeah. themselves uh, <laughs> for being like solutions oriented. And when I discuss a problem, like when my partner is complaining and I you know, propose a solution and that makes them upset. Like they're being silly. They're being <laughs> foolish. Like I'm just trying to solve the problem. Sorry. For trying to solve the problem. <laughs> but you know, that's, that's like maybe fun to make a joke about in the pop culture zeitgeist, but it's not really 
defensible as an actual way of thinking. Being able to just simply listen to someone's problems because they need to speak them is a really, truly a talent. Yeah. And it's something that we should all be more mindful of, even if we're all mindful of it. Absolutely. Yeah, agreed. All right, great. We've done it, Dan. <laughs> this is the first time. First time. Yes. Okay. And we'll lock this one away. But I mean, Ben, I'm looking over at you and and this will I mean, this, this uh, what what's about to happen uh, will join a long lineage of compliments I've paid you about your uh, your hair. You know how it, it looks good is, is the compliment. Yeah, I mean, it's it, with the headphones on it. I cannot believe sort of how it's still got this quaffed kind of in the front nature. It, it's it's riding along the sides there. It's really lovely stuff, Ben. Thanks. Thanks so much, Grant. And you know how susceptible I am to flattery about my hair. It never ceases to hit the mark. So thank you. And you know what? I am also a fan of your hair. Not to be the guy who just compliments to return a compliment. But it's true. I love you. You've been growing it out. You've got this like lately the last year and a half. It's been this long, laid kind of like go with the flow of life hairstyle that really suits your personality. And I originally it was a little jarring. Yeah. Now I would never. So open minded of you, man. So cool and so supportive. Thank you, Vin. Oh, you know it. Uh, so every week we like to have a little discussion about something that's not necessarily germane. Not germane, not particularly so. Uh, we call it the off-topic topic. OTT for those diehards. There, there are some people, Vin, who actually probably fall in a really specific cross-section who love, uh, like, kind of pre... It's not pre-show, but it's kind of pre-show vacillation and OTT, and those people are just got to be loving it. They're reveling. <laughs> uh, so this week we're talking about hair, but more specifically, hair color... Or hair dye. Or hair dye. Or hair live. And actually, okay, so this is somewhat inspired. Tina, am I, am I right or am I wrong? Or am I somewhere in between? Uh, did you somewhat recently dye your hair? I, you know, this is so funny. So I do bleach my hair now. It's platinum. But I just dyed it today. Oh, no way. <laughs> yes. It was in the ether. Um, so I, yeah, I work, you know, I worked at home today. We have an office now, but I like to work from home because it gives me a lot of time to think when I need it. Mm-hmm. And I have had this pink dye sitting around forever. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to dip dye my hair today. So the bottom half of my hair is pink. It will fade and then it'll be platinum again. But yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> wow. What we did didn't even coordinate that. No, no. What a brain just linked. Vince is doing a fantastic sort of two finger, two piece fingers meeting at the forehead symbol right now. I'm actually been. Could you hold that? I'm gonna take a photo. This is really great. Okay, I got it. (laughs) So this is really cool. We did not know this to those doubters at home who think we pre-recorded this reaction. Uh, you're wrong. Yeah, Sh- shut up in the forums. Uh, <laughs> so, hey, what made you settle on pink? Was it just around, or do you like I... hair, hair periodically? You know, well, when you have platinum hair, you can do all sorts of colors that are fun. And if you mess it up, when you go to get your roots done, you can just say to your colorist, um, can you fix this? So I've had, I had this dye laying around forever. I actually bought it probably like six months ago or something. And today I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. So I did a little pre podcast swag. Yeah. How'd it turn out? Do you like it? Or is the colorless going to have a, a little extra work on her hands? Or his hands? No, I like it. So I think, um, 
I've been told that purple is really bad because it doesn't fade. It's hard to get out, but pink is okay. I've had it pink before. Um, it's kind of bright right now, but it'll fade pretty quickly. And then it'll be like pastel. It's kind of so, fun. Oh. Yeah. Man, dude, I will say, actually, I, I hadn't realized this until right now. My sister has recently been pitching me really hard on, like, an ombre. And I've been pushing back quite a bit. Not because of, like, any particular, like, gender norms associated with it. More just, like, stylistically. I wasn't... I'm like, I don't know. I, I need a, I need more compelling evidence. Most of the photos she sent me are of Jared Leto. And I, <laughs> I'm just like, I don't know. He would look good with any hair. So. Yeah, I know. It's right. It just He's doesn't come. not fair. Serious <laughs> But so she's trying to pitch you on dying your Yeah. Oh wow. Interesting. And yeah. how close saying ten is like convinced to do it and zero is I'd never do it. Where are you on the the spectrometer right now. Okay, so this is sort of complicated. I, <laughs> if if I was like if it was anyone else, anyone else pitching me on this, I would say I'm probably like a one because I'm just like ah, I don't really see the vision. I'm I'm open minded about my hair, but uh-huh. uh, but I love my sister so much, and I'm like, God damn it. Okay, I, so I think I'm probably. I feel like if I said six, it would imply that I was going to do it. But I will say I don't. I probably like a five, five because like if she if she pitched me if she pitched me on a better idea, like it just one doesn't. This one seems a little half baked. I think she's got better in her. But I think like if she pitched me on anything, any any level of compelling, I would get it. <laughs> if only to cement our relationship. <laughs> You're a good brother. <laughs> he is a good brother. He is. Uh, uh, Wow. What about you, Vin? You got any history with dye? No, I'm like a little bit... Well, this is like a recent development in the last like four to six years, I guess. But I'm a little bit uh, protective sure. in, a, in a non... <laughs> like, hand, I'm very hands-off with my hair. I have uh, shampoo. I like shampoo <laughs> like three times a year when I go to get my hair. Yeah, yeah, okay. So I hear on that. It's just cold water for the most part. And so I don't like to... I don't like to like... I blow dry it sometimes, but I don't like to style it in a way that. God, I would love a gif of you blow drying. I would. <laughs> oh my god! And I use like very like I get imported hair products that are like more water soluble. From the motherland or where? No, from from Europe. Yeah, from uh, potentially the motherland. Okay, okay, uh, okay. But anyway, so I'm, I'm a little bit like I'm definitely not anti hair dyeing because I love when my friends. Like I have one friend, he is very like liberal with what colors he puts his hair. It's always different. I think it's really cool. Um, and sometimes it doesn't look that great, which is part of the fun, right? Sure. It's, if it were, if it always worked out, it wouldn't be risky. It wouldn't be fun, but I don't, I don't think I'll ever dye my hair. Wow. But, you know, I find myself kind of wishing that there was a process that allowed you to put like salt and pepper into your hair instead wow. of taking it out of your hair. Because I sometimes think that, I would look really good. You would. A little bit. Legitimately, I, I think if, if any of my friends who would look good with that, I think you pull it off. You've always sort of had that nature about you. Perhaps oh, not Brandon, physically. That's kind of you. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I would, I mean, someday maybe I'll, I'll try it, but I'm not really, I don't think I will. <laughs> All right. Well. Someday maybe, but I don't think. But that's like, it's like part of my personal philosophy about it. Sure, 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 sure. 
risky. Yeah, you're not judging people. No, and, oh, not. yeah, it's not an inversion. It's weird that you would mention that. It seems almost like it might be because <laughs> I'm trying to cover up. Yes. Yeah. Okay. 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 Right, did you at one point have frosted tips? I did. I did have frosted tips. Um, That's pretty cool. I revealed this to you earlier because I was I was a little embarrassed. Uh, but yes, I want to say this was. No, 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 no. This was nigh upon, must have been, oh, probably oh, three, oh, four, or something like that. I think, oh, wait, maybe it was sixth grade? It was like sixth or seventh grade. Uh, my cousin was in hair school, and she convinced me and my uncle, actually, friend of the show, uncle. Wait, Danny. Danny uncle <laughs> Danny, yeah. Oh, my. Tina, we, we had my uncle on the show recently. So we've had my dad on the show, and we've had my uncle on the show. My uncle is like... Amazing. Uh, my uncle's so incredible. He's like this endurance, endurance runner, 24-hour, 48-hour races, like 20-plus years sober. It's like insane. But uh, she convinced him and I, and it makes a lot of sense because he... Him and I share a lot of characteristics, and she convinced us to dye our hair together, and she gave us both frosted tips. He must have been 40-something at this point. <laughs> yeah, man. Okay. It was, like, pretty bad. It, it was not good, yeah. That's fun. No, you yeah. be a part of a cultural memory. Yeah. That what? Right? That, yeah. Was that, like, an sync kind of, like, Backstreet Boys era? Or when was, when was that? Mm-hmm. Maybe a little earlier? I would do anything to Early time machine that, like, <laughs> make, make have frosted tips. Like, that's such a cool thing to be able to say. It's so goofy and fun. Yeah. Well, if we do get time time uh, traveling technology, that'll be the first thing we do. We'll send you back to rectify this horrible situation. Tina, any hair coloring pasts of yours that you want to share with us? Divulge, crack open the treasure trove. Oh, you know, I you know I never had any color I didn't like. I like change. So even if it turns out not so great, I just know I'm going to change it again. But I think that's what most women are like cool with changing their hair up. Um, I will say in elementary school, I had a perm and that was not so good. Ooh, dang. <laughs> you know, perms were, I mean, this was the early 90s. Yeah. It, it, late, late 80s, early 90s. So like everyone had a perm, but it still was not a good idea. No pressure. But if you, here's, what I, here's a promise I'll make. If you, if you're able to drum up a, that photo of that perm, I will drum up a photo of the frosted tips. No worries if it doesn't happen, but I'm just saying, this is a, I'm willing to show notes that i can look i think i have a lot of photos are back in michigan family i do have some here i'll see if i have the perm years hey listen just (laughs) get out there take a short trip scan it in (laughs) anything for the cast or or, you know what if you can't find one maybe stop by your you know your normal hair person and and get a perm yeah you get one and then take a new photo (laughs) i don't think so So yeah i guess my own mother Hollis Marie Kochi, bless her. What a name. Uh, she went to cosmetology school and she knows how to perm and she still has her perm kit. Mm-hmm. And she used to perm my female cousin's hair when I was just a little one. Incredible. And it would make the entire house smell really bad. Okay. Yeah, it smells awful. Particularly eloquent. <laughs> just all the chemicals. Yeah. Uh, but there's like a, this whole process. Mm-hmm. Like various sizes of rollers and chemicals, and they put a bag on their head or something. I, so it's, it's art, man. Mystical to me, but we'll I get a, we'll get a hair artist on here. 
Oh, wait, we have Whitney Vermeer. Okay, sorry. I bet she'd sooner kill herself than... Whoa! This is not that kind of show. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I will say, uh, my final thoughts on this, uh, the reason I brought this up as an OTT was I think I just had seen you post like a photo of your blue hair at one point, and I thought... I, I honestly, I didn't say I may have mouthed like sort of like a short mouthing, almost like maybe Harry Potter would do when he's like speaking partial tongue. Wow. That was specific. <laughs> I feel like, no, no, no. Actually, hold on. Uh, okay. 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 But uh, I thought, ah, oh, fuck yeah. That's cool. <laughs> Something to that effect. Yeah. You know, in New York, um, people do still look at you, but you know, people, everyone has such a, a unique look. Blair. So it's like colored hair here is if you want to dye your hair some crazy color New York is really the place to do it also kids um, I had a little girl like follow me on the subway platform to run up and say I like your hair so that's wow. a really cool oh thing God. sweet yeah secondhand melting love it man perhaps perhaps then we could segue in and maybe listen a bit more yeah we've done enough talking <laughs> we waxed a bit so the next 10 minutes of this podcast will be silent <laughs> yeah send a message uh no but i would like to take the opportunity to thank you once again tina for being so generous with your talking and your listening not only today for this short yeah we've been discussing but really for the last five years man content in all the work that, that that project is is so cool i'm sure you guys get this feedback all the time but i it's it's so visible. There are so many people I know who discover this project and are so inspired by it. And I think it's such a wayfinder for people. And it, it does a lot of the heavy lifting of demystifying sort of like levels of creativity and, and of, of success. And I put that in quote, you know, of, of, of the artistic journey. And I think it's such a helpful, helpful project for me personally and for a lot of people. So thank you for doing that. I think it's really dope. Thank you. Ben, do you have any questions for her? Maybe a couple? You know, I feel like I might have exactly two questions for <laughs> you. Tina, we like to wrap the show the same way. Uh, you know, we want to take the work out of listening, so we created a pattern. <laughs> I guess there's fun enough. Uh, but we do, we do like to uh, purposely <laughs> ask the same questions every week. The first one is uh, pretty simple. How can our listeners support you, Tina? Well, you can get out the checkbook. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, if you want to check out uh, The Great Discontent, you can go to thegreatdiscontent.com. You can um, view our archives. There are over, I think, 215 interviews for you to read for free. Um, you can listen to our podcast. You can just search for The Great Discontent in iTunes. If you do listen and you like it, please share it. Give us a rating. That really helps. Um, and if you're in the New York area or traveling too, we're doing a monthly live show through the rest of the year, uh, one a month. So you can um, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and find out when those are happening. Or you can also sign up for our newsletter if you go to thegreatdiscontent.com. We have a, a weekly newsletter that uh, we send out, just lets people know what's going on with TGD, um, you know, fun things happening in the community. 
Um, oh, and if you like print artifacts or things that mm-hmm. you can enjoy away from the screen, you can pick up our fourth issue of The Great Discontent. Uh, it's got Leon Bridges on the cover, and the, the issue is all about ambition. So we talk about um, the different faces of ambition and uh, why ambition should be a really why you should define it in a really personal way and not let other people define it for mm. you. So, yes. so that is available at. Um, you can go to thegreatdiscontent.com and um, go to our shop, and you can also find it in retailers around the world. So yeah. those are listed on our site. I, as I've we- seen it all over. We have yeah. we have it at a couple spots in Minneapolis, or at least one. I know Forage uh, Modern Forage. Workshop. Yeah, yeah. Um, I picked up a couple issues from there. It's fantastic, and and I mean, it is such a that's a really inspiring piece to just even have around your home, whether you're reading it or not. I find <laughs> it's it's a great conversation. Be- well, read it. I mean, I just mean like even if you're not currently engaged. <laughs> Read for the rest of your life. Yeah. You're done reading it, no, okay, you still okay. It it's a great conversation piece, though, and I just think it's like it's a it's a good thing for people to pick up. Okay, 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 okay. I totally get what you mean. I yeah, wasn't okay. A- okay, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, well, Tina, then second question being, if you would like our listeners to take one thing away from your time of the show, what would you want that to be? Hmm. I would say find an opportunity in the next day or two where you can listen to someone even if you're busy or you don't want to or you don't like what they have to say just like even for a minute try to generously listen love it that's selfless advice and a great parting piece of wisdom for something that's all too rare in my own life and and I think it is 2016. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a great opportunity we have. I mean, really, it's like such an opportunity before us at any point to just listen and to, to take it from there. there. Are of people who have stories to tell and who have things to say and who have problems to air and being able to lend an ear to them is uh, one of the most generous but also one of the most simple things to do. Yeah, and gratifying for you too. Yeah. Um, Tina, I'm wondering... Vince has been doing most of the honors, but I think I've reserved one. Do I get one? Give me one honor, Vince. I'll give you this. Now, could you... So we sign off the show every week the same way, and that is with our customary Ship It. Uh, and I'm wondering if you could give us a Tina S. Maker Ship It. Wait, what? Damn it. Oh, it's finally So this is the back and forth Vin and I have. Uh, I usually make fun of his ability to get his two questions out, and I usually pride myself on my ability to concisely communicate and create action and, and get the response I'm hoping for. So I'll break it down. Basically, I was hoping that you would say ship it say the phrase ship it and then the show would be over oh okay. <laughs> this is my bad I, I, I got I got too I got too clever I got too cocky for my own gut yeah. I felt like I had a fedora on while I was like asking the give us a ship it won't you won't you darling? yeah oh. I can do that thank you okay thank you. are we ready I'm ready yes, I am. all right ship it <laughs> <laughs>